0: You need to understand that God has done everything he needs to confirm to you that the apostles were in fact his messengers and that what you read on the pages of the New Testament is his word to you. That the gospel they preached is the only way to be right with the one true and living God, your creator.
1: Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington. Tom is pastor-teacher at Countryside Bible Church in Southlake, Texas. Each believer in Christ has been spiritually gifted to serve his church. Are there differences between temporary miraculous spiritual gifts and permanent lasting gifts? Hello again, I'm Bill Wright. Today, Tom brings us Part 5 of his series titled Gifted to Serve. Last time, Tom began to examine the two primary categories of spiritual gifts, temporary sign gifts and permanent gifts. You discovered that, though absolutely essential to the early Church, the temporary miraculous gifts ceased after the time of the Apostles. But what about the permanent spiritual gifts? Are they given to believers today? And if so, how do believers know what those gifts are and how to properly use them in service of God and His church? Keep that in mind as we join Tom now for answers on The Word Unleashed.
0: Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to Romans chapter 12. We are in the fourth and final major section of Romans Begins in chapter 12, verse 1, runs through chapter 15, verse 13. I've called it the gospel applied. Paul begins this section in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 with a gospel response to God. That is, in light of the gospel, you are to present your body and your mind to God. And then he immediately turns in verse 3 of chapter 12 to a gospel response to service. As Paul lays out the implications of the gospel in this final great section of his letter to the Romans, he first deals with our service in the church to the body of Christ. You see, a lot of people when they think about those first couple of verses of Romans 12, you know, offering your body as a sacrifice, they think something ethereal, mystical. But the truth is, this is where living sacrifices begin. They begin with service in the church. We learn here in these verses, in this paragraph, that God has gifted every single Christian to serve. So that means we must think about our gifts accurately and we must use them responsibly. So really then, in in verses 3 through 8, there are two basic instructions. First of all, in verses 3 through 5, there is this instruction, think about your spiritual gift accurately. And then in verses 6 through 8, use your spiritual gift responsibly. That's where we find ourselves. So let me read verses 6 through 8 for you. You follow along there in your own copy of the Scriptures. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches, in his teaching. Or He who exhorts in His exhortation, He who gives with liberality, He who leads with diligence, and He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. We are to use the gift God has given us responsibly, but using our giftedness responsibly is only possible, we're learning, when we understand the New Testament spiritual gifts. We can only use them when we understand them. This text that we've just read together gives us a list of the spiritual gifts. Almost all of the permanent gifts the Spirit has given His church are here in this passage. Because the Spirit wanted us to understand the spiritual gifts that are available to us so that we can use them responsibly. Now last time we assembled a comprehensive New Testament list of the gifts. I'm going to do a little review here because I want to bring you up to speed, but uh, stay with me because we're going to get to some new material. A comprehensive New Testament list of the gifts. There are four New Testament lists of spiritual gifts. The first one occurs here in Romans 12. There are seven spiritual gifts listed here. Prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, and showing mercy. The second list occurs in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10. This list includes nine gifts, a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Now, notice the difference between those two lists. One is almost entirely ordinary, and the other is entirely miraculous. Stay with me on that point. The third list is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 28 to 30. The end of 1 Corinthians 12 has this third list. There, there are nine gifts listed. Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, healings, helps, administrations, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Now, as I noted for you last time, this list is a blending of Romans 12 and the earlier list in 1 Corinthians 12. In fact, this third list only adds one new gift, and that is the gift of apostles. The fourth and final list occurs in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, and this list mentions four offices, but really only adds two to our list, and that is evangelists and pastor-teachers. So now when you you look at those lists in those four places in the New Testament, you have a comprehensive list of the New Testament spiritual gifts. Last time, we also began to organize those lists of gifts into the basic New Testament categories of the gifts, because the New Testament identifies two overarching categories of spiritual gifts— Last time we studied the first category, and that is temporary sign gifts. They're temporary sign gifts because they're miraculous, and miraculous gifts serve a particular purpose. We learned through all of Scripture that the primary reason that God gave to men the ability to work miracles was always to confirm his credentials as a divine messenger. The miraculous gifts that accompanied the apostles were intended to confirm that they were God's genuine instruments of revelation, just as the miraculous had confirmed Moses was God's spokesman, that the Old Testament prophets spoke for God, and that even our Lord Himself spoke for God. You see this, for example, of the apostles in Acts 14, 3, where it says, Paul and Barnabas spent a long time in Iconium speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord. Now listen to this. The Lord was testifying to the word of His grace. In other words, the Lord was giving testimony to the people that what Paul was saying was in fact God's own word. How? He was testifying by granting that signs and wonders be done by their hands. So the miraculous confirmed the authenticity of the messenger and his message. So in the New Testament era, once their message was accepted as from God, the capacity to work miracles began to die out and eventually left entirely. In fact, as we discovered last time, the one New Testament gift that is most frequently associated with miracles, the gift of apostleship ceased clearly And entirely in the first century and the evidence as we noted also shows that the other miraculous gifts declined even during the New Testament era before the canon was closed so in grouping the gifts that we've seen listed in the New Testament we said the temporary miraculous sign gifts are for revelation in some cases and for confirmation in the other first of all those for revelation were the gifts of apostle Prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, word of wisdom, and word of knowledge. Those gifts provided revelation of God's Word in the New Testament era until the Scripture was complete. God needed to speak to His people. And in in a New Testament church, before the New Testament canon was completed, you needed information to know how now in this new era do we live and serve our God. And in the context of that, God provided these mechanisms to enable people to know how they ought to live and what they ought to do. A second set of miraculous gifts were primarily for confirmation. They didn't so much give information, although some of them gave some information, they primarily confirmed the revelation that was given through the revelatory gifts. So you have miracles, healings, faith, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. These gifts primarily confirmed the apostles and the New Testament prophets and the message or the revelation received through them. So in the New Testament then, and this is where we left off last time, there were ten temporary miraculous sign gifts. And all of them were given to the church to confirm the ministry of the apostles and the message of the New Testament. Now we have that finished message, and just like in previous times in the Old Testament, once the messenger was confirmed, the miraculous ceased. And we have that with the finished text of Scripture. In fact, let me put it this way. We have now the finished Word of God to us, We don't need ongoing prophecy. We don't need ongoing even apostles because the foundation, Ephesians 2.20, has been laid and it consists of the apostles and the New Testament prophets. And of course that means their teaching. Let me also say, You need to understand that God has done everything he needs to confirm to you that the apostles were in fact his messengers and that what you read on the pages of the New Testament is his word to you. That the gospel they preached is the only way to be right with the one true and living God, your creator. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, how much severer will be the punishment if we have the confirmed Word of God, confirmed by our Lord, confirmed by His apostles, testified by God by miracles, if we reject it. So understand this. God has done everything He needs to do to convince you. You need nothing else. And if you refuse to accept His gift, then you will encounter the greater judgment. It doesn't matter how many of your sins. His mercy is more. In Christ, he will forgive those sins and reconcile you to himself. Well, there's a second category of New Testament spiritual gifts, and now we move on to to new territory together, and that is the permanent edifying gifts. The permanent edifying gifts. In Romans chapter 12, as Paul addresses spiritual gifts, he focuses almost entirely on these permanent gifts. As we have seen, he includes only one temporary, miraculous gift of revelation, and that is the gift of prophecy. And I'll talk more about that, Lord willing, next week. But the remaining six gifts listed here in Romans 12 are not sign gifts. They're not miraculous gifts. Instead, they are ordinary. They are permanent, edifying gifts. So six of them are here. Now let me just tell you that Ephesians 4 verse 11 adds two additional permanent gifts and that is evangelism and pastor-teacher, or evangelists and pastor-teacher. We'll look at those in a few minutes. But together those the six here in Romans 12 and the two from Ephesians 4 constitute the permanent gifts. Now how do we think about those permanent gifts? Well Peter divides all of the permanent gifts available to the church today into two categories. First Peter chapter 4 verses 10 and 11. Listen to what Peter writes. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And then he says this, there are speaking gifts and there are serving gifts. That's it. Of the permanent gifts available to the church today, there are these two groups of gifts teaching gifts and serving gifts. So let's see if we can finish up our categorizing of the New Testament lists of gifts. Let's combine the gifts from Romans 12 with the two remaining from Ephesians 4 and put them into two groups, the two groups that Peter has provided for us. First of all, there are teaching gifts. The, the gifts in the New Testament that fall under that category of permanent, edifying, teaching gifts are teaching, obviously, found in both Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. Secondly, there is exhortation here in Romans 12. There is evangelism found in Ephesians 4 and pastor-teacher also in Ephesians 4. Those are teaching gifts. The second category of permanent gifts as Peter laid it out for us, are serving gifts. There is, first of all, service, or it's elsewhere called helps. Again, in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, service or helps. Then there's giving, there's leading and administration. Those are two terms used, again, in the two passages for the same gift, leading and administration. And then finally, there is showing mercy, So there you can see there are in the New Testament record eight permanent edifying gifts. Now it is possible that those New Testament lists and specifically those eight permanent gifts are not exhaustive. That is that the eight gifts you see listed there are are really only an illustration of the potential diversity and there are others that are not listed in the New Testament. There are good men, Bible teachers and scholars, whom we know and respect, who teach that this isn't an exhaustive list, and that may be true. However, I'm inclined to believe that this is an exhaustive list, because when you consider the nature of the eight permanent gifts listed in the New Testament, as we will do shortly, you'll see that they really cover the, the full gamut of service in the church in, in a remarkable way. But regardless of whether it's only eight permanent gifts or whether that's merely representative of the, of the diversity available to God, regardless, don't miss the big picture. To each one of us who are in Christ, God has given a special capacity to serve him in his church. If you are a Christian, if you have repented of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ, then you have either a speaking gift or a serving gift or a combination of teaching and serving gifts think of it this way the eight permanent gifts that are listed here in the New Testament serve as a kind of divine palette I enjoy doing a little oil painting from time to time I have one going right now I don't get to it very often these days because of business but but I enjoy painting and and you put On a palette you put a selection of colors and then you can from those colors blend together to make new and fresh colors think of these eight gifts as a kind of palette like that that God has most Christians are a blended mix of several of these gifts that's why I think it's better to speak of your giftedness rather than your spiritual gift because gift implies one simple gift Giftedness is broader and allows for a mix of several skills. The diversity is truly amazing. And, and when you think about it, this diversity shouldn't surprise us when we think of the infinite creativity of our God. When I think of the diversity that's available with gifts, and this isn't a new illustration. You've heard it from me if you've been in our church many times, but it's my favorite, and that is that of color. Scientists tell us that the human eye can distinguish about 10 million different colors, but a painter can recreate all 10 million of those colors from a combination of just the three primary colors, red, blue, and yellow. And those primary colors, they can't be mixed from other colors. They can only be derived from substances in which they are inherent. And yet, the entire range of 10 million colors and millions of tones can be recreated from three primary colors. Now think about this, if a painter can reproduce 10 million different colors using only three primary colors, then imagine the diversity when God has eight permanent edifying gifts from which to paint, to blend for every person. Now I'm not a mathematician, but I have double and triple checked my numbers. I hope I'm right for you math people out there. If there are eight permanent gifts, if that is the limit, and there are only eight available, that means there are 40,320 possible combinations at God's disposal. And that doesn't even consider the limitless possibilities when you start weighing the differing amounts of each of the eight that God can use in mixing up combinations, when he can use a little of this one and a little of this one, as opposed to all of one. So it's amazing. And and you see that here. Look around you in this church. It is amazing to me how many people in this church serve and to watch them serve is incredible because you see this variety. You look and and you see how God has uniquely blended individuals in this congregation with a special set of giftedness that enables them to do what God has called them to do in this place. No two of us are exactly alike. We are unique. Now as we continue to try to understand New Testament spiritual gifts so we can use them responsibly, I want to address, thirdly, some basic definitions of the gifts. I've never done this in the 16, 17 years I've been at Countryside, and I think it will be helpful for us. You know, you hear this list and you wonder, what is that? Well, let me see if I can help us on that. I have, I have taken or adapted these definitions from Dr. Robert Thomas, a longtime professor at the Master's Seminary, and his helpful book called Understanding Spiritual Gifts. So some of them I've taken directly, others of them I've adapted, changed the wording for some things I wanted to emphasize, but, but they are I am grateful to Dr. Thomas for his work on this. So let's, let's look at some basic definitions. Now let me just say you're not going to be able to write down everything I say in all of these definitions. However, they will be available on the website in conjunction with this message in the days ahead. So let's look at some definitions, starting with the temporary sign gifts and specifically with those sign gifts that are revelatory in nature. Let's start with apostle. What is the gift of apostle? It is an office in the early church of Jesus' official representatives through whom God provided inspired authoritative revelation. That is the gift of an apostle, and what a gift to the church the apostles were. Now, as I have noted for you, to be an apostle Three things had to be true. You had to be a witness of the resurrected Christ, Acts one twenty two, And by the way, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says he was the last who met that qualification. Secondly, you had to be personally appointed by Christ, Acts one twenty four. And thirdly, you had to be able to work miracles, 2 Corinthians 12, 12. Paul says, you saw me do the signs of a true apostle, that is, miracles. And he goes on to provide a list of the miraculous. So, the apostles were a tremendous gift. And what did God give us through the apostles? Primarily, he gave us his New Testament message. He gave us the revelation. That's why Ephesians 2.20 says the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the New Testament prophets. That is through their revelation, through their message. That brings us to the second sign gift, and that is prophecy. Prophecy is not preaching. I have to disagree with those, those men who teach that. Prophecy is unique. Prophecy is an ability to be a channel of direct revelation primarily in local churches, which of course was crucial until the completion of the New Testament. So apostles, they provided revelation, but typically they ministered to the church at large. That's why you find apostles writing to large regions and groups of churches. On the other hand, prophets were usually assigned to local churches. In Acts 13.1, you have prophets that were in the church in Antioch, in Acts 15 32 again you see that there were prophets in the church in Antioch they were more local in their ministry again think about it this way before the New Testament was complete if you if you were attending the church in Antioch how did you know what God was wanted you to do and how he wanted you to think in the New Testament era well God provided apostles and he provided prophets to bring that fresh revelation and they too Many of them became part of the foundational teaching of the New Testament church. Ephesians 2.20 were built on the foundation of the apostles and the New Testament prophets.
1: That's Tom Pennington here on The Word Unleashed. And that was part five of his series, Gifted to Serve. Tom, will bring you part six next time, and we do hope you'll join us then. In a world filled with great uncertainty, God's Word and the promises it contains offer wonderful encouragement to believers in Jesus Christ. We pray that the ministry of the Word Unleashed is playing a prominent role to that effect, and we'd love to hear how that works in your life and personal walk with the Lord. Write to us, won't you? Our address is listeners at the wordunleashed.org. Again, that's listeners at the wordunleashed.org. Or you can call us at 1-877-577-WORD. And remember to connect with us on social at The Word Unleashed. We also invite you to visit the wordunleashed.org where you'll find other resources, including additional radio series from The Word Unleashed.